What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. They have tons of things to choose from. You want a pink suit? You can get a pink suit. And speaking of pink suits, RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped. Featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings, RJ helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $390 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. not already at Haley O something that's at H-A-L-E-Y-O-S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-G for some reason it takes me a little while to spell that out loud this may or may not be my third to fifth try in doing it who knows no one will ever know at Haley O something follow her she's a tremendous follow and writer for the ringer Follow Hardwood Knox on Twitter as well, at Hardwood Knox. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Follow Andy on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. Also follow Blue Wire on Twitter, where you can check out my tweets from that account, but also the other podcast promos from all the other great people in our network, at Blue Wire Pods. Follow them already, please. I'm begging you again. Also begging you to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Hardwood Knox podcast on iTunes. We can be found wherever else you're getting your podcast. Stitcher, Art19, Google Play, Blog Talk, YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We are everywhere. iTunes is still the best way, though, to help us out, to let us know you're out there, that you're listening. It takes 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. Search Hardwood Knocks on iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't already, for the love of God. Throw us that five-star rating and then write whatever you want in the review section. It can be constructive criticism. You can compliment my humor or my lack thereof humor. Whatever you want to write, we're always reading it, but throw us that five-star rating, and we'll be happy to try and incorporate your feedback as we see fit. Lastly, but certainly not least, we want to shout out our sponsors this week. You already heard from Indochino at the top of this podcast, and we also want to shout out Roman and Harry's, who are bringing you the Hardwood Knox podcast this week. Without further delay, though, Let's talk some basketball, current events, surprises. We're buying or selling a bunch of different observations I made in the NBA that have to do with current events, news, rumors, all that stuff with Haley O'Shaughnessy from The Ringer. What it do, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you without my co-host Andy Bailey this time. I am, however, super excited to be joined by Ringer staff writer 
Haley O'Shaughnessy. Follow her on Twitter if you don't already, which you probably do, at Haley O something, at H-A-L-E-Y-O-S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-G. Haley, you're kind enough to make your third appearance on the podcast, so I feel like hopefully <laughs> we can now say friend of the podcast, Haley O'Shaughnessy. And uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm great and lovely to be on the pod as always. Um, so I've been in the habit to get right into this since I know your time is valuable of asking all my guests this question. How do you league pass? It's something that I like to ask people because I like to see how the the coolest hoops heads are watching games. And I'm wondering, are you zeroing in on one game at a time? Do your projects inform what you're watching? Are you bouncing around when there are those, you know, eight, nine, 10 game slates? Um, well, I mean, above all else, if there's a very exciting finish, I've got to switch to that. But, uh, you know, last season I wanted to absorb everything more than the season before. So I tried to switch back and forth between like every game on the slate and I lasted maybe three weeks. It was (laughs) exhausting. And I don't really think I picked up that much. You can't, you don't notice any kind of trends or anything interesting or even anything funny, like, you know, certain player reactions or celebrations or anything uh that way so now I'll just do maybe two at a time flip back and forth and yeah just switch you know throughout the night there are definitely some games that I'll avoid unless necessary um some matchups are just a little too brutal uh but unless it's like an easy slate but mostly I'll always switch over to like what I like to call NBA red zone, which is the exciting finishes last night. I don't know when this is going out, but last night there were a ton of them, which was very fun. Or was it two nights ago? There've been a lot of good this year. I think both. Yeah. This was, has been an excellent week. I'm happy you said all that because this has been by and large a wildly unpopular opinion by me, but I tend to get overwhelmed on like the, you know, nine or double digit (laughs) game slates. And I have to like, if I switch around, I feel like I don't take away any substance. And so I have to zero in basically on one game at a time. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's entirely a substance thing. It's like, are you even picking anything up? Honestly, and you can pick up a lot on a game from Twitter too. Like, let's say somebody is like, I can't believe that Harden is, you know, has 30 points already. You could just switch over to that. So thanks for making it easy, Twitter. A league pass uh, alert or whatever hashtag, that can be a godsend on Twitter. Yes, definitely. Is there a team that's been more watchable or just fun to watch for you this season than you could have expected leading in? Oh, I feel like this is like the most cop out of an answer ever because it's so obvious, but it's the Suns, right? Like it's very exciting to see. I've been talking about this a lot. Like Devin Booker is growing out of being a bad team good stats guy and he's actually someone who has enough help surprisingly because of the roster to like really execute more as a leader and it's bizarre but exciting to me that Kelly Oubre has taken this much on and Aaron Baines is so much fun so I mean future Hall of Famer Aaron Baines but (laughs) I, I mean the Suns have been very interesting to me which is nice because they haven't been those have been games that I kind of you know, the last couple of years have obviously watched. It's my job, but um, kind of by force. <laughs> so I'm happy for them. They've been suffering long enough. Um, I also think the Young Hornets are exciting. Yes. Uh, the Heat, as always, like I will always love Jimmy Butler. Uh, and the Wolves, of course, the Wolves, um, who I've suffered with through many years for no reason at all. 
Uh, I don't know why I watch them, <laughs> but I have eminently watchable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this year, like on a completely different level, and also. I'm the first to criticize Andrew Wiggins. It's very well documented, but only because I believe in him, his ability to do more. So it's been nice to see that as well. And now like their, their roster is, is much different. If you look, it's transformed into one that has three point shooters and, you know, Carl is still one of the best on the team, but for the last couple of years, he's been basically like he's led them and then it drops off sharply, especially with consistent ones. Like once Covington came along, that kind of changed, but there's no reason for him to be the one taking the majority of the three-pointers. I mean, it, it definitely helps their team, but he needs to be doing other things as well. The Wolves, I'm actually going to uh, ask you about in a second, but they're, they've definitely been fun to watch. The, the Suns, too. The Hornets have been a big one for me, and there's a chance that they've been one of the three to five teams I've watched the most. And I don't know if it's just out, if it was out of morbid curiosity, but I find them just so fun to watch. It's like... You know, is Devontae Green ever going to stop hitting threes off the dribble? Is P.J. Washington, like, really going to do basically a little bit of everything all year? I'm a b- bullish Miles Bridges guy. Uh, we have to learn who Cody Martin is at this point now. I They've just been a lot more fun, and I appreciate James Borrego's sort of lineup combinations at different points in the game, too. So they've been they've been a team that I've enjoyed watching far more than I ever could have expected. Yeah, and I think you have to give him a lot of credit for that, which is exciting and also kind of weird because I'm it's like a breakup where you knew that both the both people would be better without each other, but like it's nice to see Kemba thriving and the Hornets being I don't know if I'd say thriving, but being fun, you know, being something different. So it's weird because I'm like, wow, it kind of sucks that this happened once Kemba left, but I feel like he's very happy. The other day is Celtics eight game win streak was the longest of his career. So I think that, that he is, sad, yeah. <laughs> he's very happy to be gone in, in, in Boston. Kemba might be the most likable guy in the NBA. And if not, he's close to it. Uh, that he I had, know. They had that text message thread in Charlotte last year called Kemba and the Avengers. And it was basically him and like all of Charlotte's no names. I just thought that was fantastic. He just seems like such a cool person. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. I've interviewed him once before and he was very helpful. And it was we were just talking about the guy who cuts his hair. So there was no reason for him to give me a 20 minute interview for that, but he did. I feel like players probably appreciate stuff like that though, because it's, they get questions about everything else. And so a topic like that might be something they're more inclined to get passionate or get into in depth. I hope so. (laughs) I feel Um, like I only ask offbeat questions. I would think offbeat questions are fun. Well, thank you. But you're also uh, gassing me up because I'm on your podcast. That's true too. Um, (laughs) Is there a team that you didn't foresee flirting with title contention that is now kind of entered the fray this season? Hmm. Uh, that's tough because some of the teams we just mentioned, like the Suns and the Wolves, um, ones that have had like very impressive records out of the gate. I don't know that. I mean, I think that they're, it's slightly sustainable. Like it's sustainable that they're going to take another jump. I don't think, actual title contention um is probably in play uh, there's probably one in the eastern conference let me uh maybe like a miami or a toronto quick. i suppose i mean miami needs more i think that let's see they're like second in the eastern conference right now they need to trade Dragic and get someone else um in his place he's constantly injured he's never going to be enough they have a lot of potential with jimmy and they're exciting young guys 
the Raptors is interesting. I would agree with you there. Um, if Lowry can stay healthy this season and if last year's postseason didn't wear him out too much, like it's funny because we were talking the other day, not we, but like I, you know, I was talking to um, some of my coworkers the other day about the Raptors bench and how we were like, guys, one of the worst in the league. And then you like, watch them and you're like, oh, Nick Nurse has turned this into something. And that's always excited. It's exciting. And OG has progressed again this year. And I don't know, like hopefully Serge can keep offering something. Um, but, and then, you know, Pascal, obviously the, the revelation upon the revelation, like he's so much fun to watch. And I think that he has already surprised people with, um, the way that he's developed even from last year, which is crazy because last year he made the largest jump in the NBA. Literally, they gave him an award for it. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. I dislocated my shoulder just a few months ago. After it popped back in, rather than seeking immediate medical attention, I just wanted to continue out my daily life deal with the pain and hope that it would eventually get better without really doing anything to rest it or make sure that it gave me proper range of motion. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to get connected to a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. During that time, the secret to a great shave hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls, they didn't need heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me the closest shave ever with an easy glide. And the razors come at a low price. Do us a favor. Check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. It comes out to just $2 per blade. Harry's is also just super convenient. Blade refills are shipped right to your house when you sign up for a subscription. And there's no risk for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Hardwood Knox can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today.
this was uh, I'll skip ahead to it. it's in Jerome Pascal, but it was one of my buy or sell items was Pascal Siakam is the first repeat most improved player in NBA history because there seems to be last year it was it was like that with Giannis where people argued that he could have won um mm-hmm. some, and now it feels like Siakam's like that like he already kind of made the star leap but he like you said now he's a revelation squared basically yeah I mean and the th- the funny thing is, is um I was just saying this the other day I think that actually the trajectory just in terms of improvement could parallel with Giannis a lot because Giannis is definitely the person who we're always saying, wow, he's really gotten better every year. And that hasn't stopped. And with Pascal, I could envision the same thing. I mean, he really worked on parts of his game that you have to actually put in a lot of work to do. Um, it's helpful that the offense came second. I always think that, you know, if guys come in the league with strong defense that carries over, it's easier to learn offense and defense. It just is. Defense is kind of more natural thing. If you're athletically gifted, it's always going to be easier um, so yeah, I could definitely see him getting better every year in terms of becoming the most improved player again. I don't think so. I think that voters love narrative too much and they love giving guys chances. And also, you know, it might like seem like they, it might discount last year's award. I'm not sure. But also the thing is, is that Siakam already has MVP odds. Um, they That's were hundred to one to start the season and as Late as Halloween, they were 40 to 1. Um, so I think that if you're in the MVP conversation, that kind of takes you out of most improved player. I think that makes you too good to be the most improved player. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he will repeat, but um, I think that he's going to finish the season. Like, if he finishes on even on the far outside of the bubble for MVP, that would be huge. I mean, that'd be kind of more of an honor than getting a second most improved player, right? Yeah, for sure. And I would think his MVP odds had to like change a bunch after the Raptors nearly pulled off the the back to back in LA victories over both uh, over the Lakers and the Clippers and they were missing Lowry and Ibaka. They lost OG in the Clippers game that they ended up losing, but they were competitive and he's playing next to like Matt Thomas and and Rondé Hollis Jefferson. <laughs> it's just like that's I think the Raptors to the the question that I initially asked you, I think they would actually be my pick. I'm not really a heat guy yet um maybe i'll be wrong there though but the raptors just with what they've done in the face of injuries and as you point out with what siakam's been doing and how they're getting these contributions from um their supporting cast that maybe you wouldn't have expected or maybe you think they'd be dead in the water when marcus Gasol wasn't shooting well until till recently they've just really uh by far and away impressed me even as someone who thought if they stayed together they'd be a playoff team yeah, and you should put more respect um, where Rondé deserves it. <laughs> uh, he, look, now, so I'm just, I get nervous whenever he's shooting anything, just from watching him so much when he was in Brooklyn, where it was, he was hitting mid-rangers at like a higher clip at one point than he was shooting at the rim. He's just, he's an acid trip, but he was, get, he's been giving them good minutes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he hasn't. It's funny because that's something we attach to certain teams like the Celtics and the Spurs that the coach is kind of making something out of a player who formerly we didn't have that much. We didn't hold um, that highly regarded. But I think that Nick Nurse might enter that bubble soon um, of coaches who have that reputation. Hey, or maybe uh, I'm sure you saw the quote where he basically like shit all over Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson earlier in the season and maybe that really like sparked something within two of them or at least at least Rondé that was that's in the early running to me for uh head coach quote of the year (laughs) yep for sure I agree 
The reverse question on this, is there a team that you expected to be much better than it is right now? Or we can even simplify by saying, like, who's your biggest disappointment of the season thus far? Uh, the Nets. I mean, I loved watching them last year. So it's disappointing. Uh, it is, you know, it's fun um, to see, like, them leave it to Kyrie so many times so late in the game. Um, I think he really likes the big moment. He, he kind of has this reputation for being someone who always played better on national TV. I haven't kept up with like, if that's true, if that was true through um, his time with the Celtics, but yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. I loved watching them like scrape together wins last year and it kind of be guys who you either weren't super familiar with or thought that, you know, their career was just what we always assumed it was. Um, so for them, especially it's, it's hard to see a team not progress, you know, after they had a nice season like that, kind of like Boston last year. Yeah, that, that is certainly tough. And they obviously don't have Kevin Durant, but I'm kind of with you that I thought they would be better than expected. And I didn't really think that they would be so bad on defense. I didn't think they'd be great. I thought they'd be better there and you know I know Amon Shumpert maybe might save the day for them now but if you know you end up losing Karis LeVert for any like period of time that's just that ends up being a huge loss for them because they are sort of slaughtering or trying to beat teams with their offense right now and he's your second or third uh best offensive player depending on how you view Spencer Dinwiddie yeah and first of all like that's trouble because you just said the sentence Iman Shumpert might save them. And then also, like, I really hope Levert doesn't become one of the guys who's like someone who has to like sit out regularly. That would be really disappointing. He was super fun last year when he was playing. Um, and, you know, the same this year. He's someone who I also think like has potential to keep growing each year. So hopefully this injury, you know, his injuries don't keep coming up. Yeah, I don't think people talk enough. I guess because it was such a short-lived playoff run, but he was carrying the offense against the Sixers when Ben Simmons decided that D'Angelo Russell was never going to score again. And so <laughs> I'm I'm completely with you there. Yeah. So this is a like a, a cluster of teams in the West that fascinates me right now. And so if I had to force you to pick three of these teams to make the playoffs from the West out of Dallas, Phoenix, Minnesota, San Antonio, Portland, and OKC, which ones would be your pick? Hmm, that's tough. Uh, I feel really guilty discounting Portland. Um, I'd feel really dumb discounting San Antonio. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs um, entering the season. We had we like ran through who we thought were going to make it. Um, but you know, Pop always finds a way. Um, I think you know Dallas is interesting to me. I do believe that they'll go as far as Luca can take them. Chris Ops has a lot to figure out. Um, it often seems like he doesn't know what direction he's going. His hands stop working regularly. Um, <laughs> he has a lot to figure out. I haven't been impressed with him so far. Uh, Phoenix, Minnesota, I think they'll be good. And I think they'll be a team that they'll both be teams that other teams do not want to face. But I, I don't think that this is the year that they make the playoffs. Um so, and then OKC, very fun. But I also think that um, OKC would be open to trading people in the middle of the season. So, because I have to only pick three, I'll keep them out. I'll keep Phoenix and Minnesota out. So I do Dallas, Portland, and San Antonio. I think I'd probably agree with you. Maybe that makes me a little too much of a coward, though, because I don't trust <laughs> Portland at all. And Phoenix, like... I don't either. But I mean, it's like, think about their talent, you know? It's, it's, 
it's too much. It's too much. And maybe also, I mean, this is like, they are running out of time. And we saw last year, their roster was really different because they were like, okay, let's get it together. Let's add a curry. Let's add, you know, like pieces that were important. And then they kind of lost them, um, this off season. So maybe again, they'll just like revamp it because their time is running out with this backcourt. I would say if you, if I had to pick a team that's most likely to trade a first round pick or two at the trade deadline, it, it would probably be them because there's definitely that sense of urgency there when you look at their mm-hmm. core and that they just, you know, they just extended Dame and, and CJ over the summer. And I'll mm-hmm. still never understand the Hassan Whiteside trade. Uh, I guess they need size up front, but he's not really helping them navigate the, the Zach Collins absence at all. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's just a different kind of center who does one specific thing and, you know, and that's what he'll always be. And I don't think that he'll ever evolve into anything different. The last thing on this group, is it almost encouraging to you that Dallas has done so well or fairly well when Porzingis is kind of just floating around out there? Because they're they're getting absolutely destroyed when Doncic and Porzingis are on the court together, but they're killing the minutes when Doncic is without Porzingis. Um, their bench has the highest point differential per 100 possessions in the league right now, and I guess that you know, might be saying water is wet because Rick Carlisle coaches this team and always seems to pull a bench out of thin air. But I almost feel like Porzingis probably, like the connection between him and Doncic, where it seems right now like they're going to have him just try and compliment everybody and Luca's going to look more for, you know, if Maxi Kleba's on the floor, they're going to have him screen and, and Luca will look for him. I would think that that synergy between them has to progress, or at the very least, maybe Porzingis gets better at carrying the units in which he plays that Doncic doesn't because those minutes have been bad for Dallas too. And so to factor all of those kind of, if we call them red flags in, and to see the Mavericks still be above 500 and playing as they are, I'm almost wondering if that's encouraging. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing I'll say is that Luka is averaging, it's almost 30, I think it's like 28 points right now. That, I don't know if this is if that's sustainable. Um, that's a lot out of the gate. Uh, Przingis isn't shooting like poorly from three. I mean, he's, let me look. Yeah, he's taking... Six threes a game. Last time I looked, he's taking six threes a game and he's shooting them at thirty-seven point five percent. That's fine. That's totally fine. But he needs to get he needs everything inside the perimeter. He really needs to figure out. I do think that that'll be possible. I mean, like combining them in theory shouldn't have been like this complicated. Um, and then there's the other thing that's like Kristaps maybe just needs time to figure yeah. out how to adjust to some. I mean, think about who he was surrounded with in New York. Maybe he really needs to learn how to adjust to other people who are competent, which doesn't seem like it'd be a thing, but are you saying Derek Rose, Joakim Noah, and Melo aren't a competent core to surround Christoph? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, before I get you out of here, a couple quick, uh, hitting buy or sell, uh, observations or just statements. I don't necessarily believe, but I'm curious to see what you think. We already tackled the buy or sell Pascal Siakam repeating his MIP. You sold there. Do you buy or sell the Nuggets as a title contender? They might be one of the most fickle, you know, seven and three teams that I've seen in recent memory. Uh, I think they'll get it together. I mean, their offense is the problem right now. And, you know, Jokic like shooting is the problem as well. Even though he's had phenomenal, um, phenomenal game winners that's are, that are very fun. You know, their defense is really good, which is a good sign. I think that for a team like them who is should be strong on offense who we've seen be strong on offense before. I think that 
they'll be fine. So yes, I do see them getting back to um, contender level, even if that means like the third or fourth seed in the West. Your offensive point is beyond salient because uh, the Charlotte Hornets have a more efficient half court offense than the Nuggets right now, which I would, as, as much as I love the Hornets, that's a little problematic. And yeah, it's very strange. I'm hoping your buy is correct because the, the Nuggets were my preseason title pick. Got got killed for it, but um, I would like to see them get better so it doesn't look as egregious. Hopefully it'll age better for you. Buy or sell, David Fisdale won't last the season in New York. Okay, so I wrote about this today. Um, I think that he won't last. However, I am lobbying for him to last. I don't think he's ever been given enough time um, in either of these stints as head coach. Uh, the roster makes no sense. He's also 11 games in, so he needs time to figure out how to make this roster, which makes no sense, make sense. He is known to be a player's coach and someone who can develop players, um, and which they have a ton of. You know, They need that for Frankie Spokes. They need that for Dennis Smith Jr. They need that for Kevin Knox. Mitchell Robinson, already perfect. But they need to, I mean, they need developing. So who else? You know, what, what did Tracy Morgan say the other day that Mark Jackson oh, no. was going to yeah, come no. in and coach? Like, who else is going to, who else should you give a chance and give time to really develop these players? What is the alternative and what's the rush? I mean, you're, you're losing a bunch of these players, these veterans that you signed all at Power Forward next year because you've signed them to one-year contracts. So what's the rush? You know what I mean? This is going to be another wasted season. Yes, you lost the Cavs and the Bulls and they were both very embarrassing, but that's not going to stop just because you get another coach. I mean, Fizdale has some very weird lineups right now, but I, you have to let him work through it. I mean, this is a weird roster that has many deficiencies. Uh, I find myself agreeing with you again. I don't think he'll last, but coaching is clearly not the problem. I don't like the front office, but front office not necessarily the problem. It's, it starts with ownership, just with the people he's allowed to stay in place for so long and James Dolan being the uh, asshat that he is. So that's mm-hmm. really... And I and As long as he's owning the Knicks... I just don't trust that they're ever going to be anything close to a, a typical functioning team. Yeah, agreed. I'm sorry to do this to you, but buy or sell load management. Uh, oh, buy. I'm never like somebody who, I, it's just fine. Like these are, these guys, their entire job is based around their body. I'm never someone who's going to be like, don't take time to care for your body. I, do, I mean, I understand like the, I understand how annoying it might be for a ticket, you know, people who bought tickets and paid a lot of money or like, you know, the team itself. But here's the thing is that that team that the players on who is resting is consciously letting that player rest with the risk of it, meaning that they could lose that game. So they are taking that risk and that is, you know, that's worth it for every team. If they decide that that's worth it, then it's worth it. And that's up to the player and that's up to the team. yeah, so I don't. I honestly, I've never minded it, but I also I don't pay to go to games, obviously. So a yes, little different. <laughs> yes, same. But I still get the fan perspective. At the same time, it's uh, some of this could be addressed with the schedule, and I, it's unrealistic to demand the NBA shorten it immediately. But simple things like not scheduling the Clippers um, on back-to-back national television games or having either one end of a back-to-back on national television hurts. And I would actually even go one step further where. Yes, you know, it kind of is about the long game in a single season um, load management, but I don't know if you saw Jackie Mack dunk all over Kendrick Perkins on the jump on ESPN, but she was noting about 
what Kevin McHale and Larry Bird's bodies are like after their career. And so for someone who could have like uh, a degenerative injury in his quad, like Kawhi Leonard, or just someone who's been dealing with injuries for the past years like him, you also want to at least think that these teams care about like the quality of life after the game, mm-hmm. or at least that that's mm-hmm. a concern. So I fully support load management. It'd be cool if we could come up with like a better name, maybe like championship maintenance or something <laughs> like that. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love load management. It's always sounded a bit perverse to me. <laughs> <laughs> Buy or sell one of the Hawks or Hornets making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I can include the Cavaliers uh, in this too, if you would like. You can chill out on the Cavaliers. Um, the Hawks for sure. I love Trey Young. He's fantastic. Um, I think that as long as he stays healthy um, and that injury isn't recurring, then yeah, he can take this team very far. And they also have a lot of other exciting young guys who I think are only going to get better as the season goes on. I want to be the hot taker that just buys the Hornets, but their point differential is crap. Uh, But still, again, they are watchable. Um, Mm -hmm. Buy or sell a star who isn't Kevin Love or Chris Paul getting traded at the deadline, you are free to as loosely interpret the word star as you would like. Hmm. Hashtag um, Daniel Gallinari. <laughs> uh, perhaps, honestly. Um, I think that, you know, I was talking earlier about Dragic. I think that could happen. I think that needs to happen. So maybe I'm just trying to will it into existence. But yeah, I think, you know, Miami is also a team that is kind of running out of patience, even though they just signed Jimmy over the summer. Um, I think that they feel an urgency to be relevant again. And if he begins to hold them back, I mean, they have a couple of players right now who are holding them back. I mean, I I think that they could get much further with someone like a Chris Paul. So I guess that's kind of cheating because I'm including him too. But yeah, I think Dragic for sure. Uh, Dragic too, I don't know if the same, I don't know if the Florida teams would trade it with one another, but Orlando could use Goran Dragic pretty badly. Mm -hmm. Um, The last two I have here, and this kind of, I guess, is ties into the Pascal Siakam thing a little bit, where not only you know voter fatigue is going to factor into that most improved player thing, plus his MVP candidacy, but if there's another deserving most improved player candidate, it makes it that much easier to avoid him. And so, buy or sell Brandon Ingram's hot start as legitimate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's no doubt that when Zion comes back, it doesn't have to minimize what Brandon Ingram is doing. And the things that he's doing better are not uh, things that are going to even out too significantly. Like we always talk about, um, you know, everything calming down after a couple of weeks. I think that the things he's worked on, I mean, obviously like, I think that they're definitely sustainable and I'm not just being, you know, optimistic about this because we've wanted him to be the next Kevin Durant for years. And I don't think he ever will be, but I think that if he's this type of Brandon Ingram and he continues to get better, then that will be enough. Um, And also, I'm really cheering for it to happen. So, and also, you know, like that team is a bit scattered, but injury prone. So he might have to carry like the load during, you know, different times of the season. I don't, I hope that Zion comes back and is completely healthy. I hope that you know, Drew doesn't have to exit multiple times. Lonzo has also had injury issues in the past. So he could have to take on more than we're expecting. And also he is still leading the most valuable or the most improved player odds. Sorry. You know me. I've been, I check it daily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I think it's mo. I would say it's at least relatively sustainable what he's doing. It, the one thing I've noticed and not that I'm like this exit and O savant, but it does seem like his offense can now 
sort of function as more part of a team flow when you look at uh, how he's kind of looking at the rim more when he's catching the ball and shooting more catch-and-shoot threes. And I think that gives him hope for if the Pelicans' rotation and health ever sort of does stabilize because if you have Lonzo and Drew and then Zion all healthy at once, uh, I don't know that he's going to get carte blanche on the touches that he's getting now, but the way he's kind of scoring in certain spurts, I think it actually can fit within uh, a team's offensive dynamic better than what we saw during his time with the Lakers. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, the Lakers thing is that they didn't really have an offensive dynamic. They needed him to do things that he never fit to do. I mean, they had a non-existent system. They had to fit around the, you know, most, I mean, they legitimately, like anyone who plays with LeBron should have to fit around him, but that's no way for young players to grow. I mean, that's really hard. You need to have a player, you have players around him who already know what they are and know how they can compliment him. You can't grow into that. Um, so yeah, this is a much better setup for him, no doubt. My final one on the buy or sell, and you wrote about this, and I was happy you did, about how the Warriors have become almost these sympathetic figures, because a lot of NBA Twitter does still seem to be basking in their demise, but they reached a point with all what happened over the offseason, all the injuries they've suffered this year, where I start to feel bad for them, and like I don't even want to make jokes about them because it feels mean. Do you think that those are vibes that could carry over into next season, even if they're returning to title contention, or will it be pretty easy then to root against them. So I'm basically asking you to buy or sell the idea that Golden State, even if it returns to title contention next year, can still be a likable team. Well, they're first going to have to get there. I got a lot of blowback on that. I, I said you should learn to love the Warriors again because they were so adored before. I should have just said enjoy. If you watch their games, you will enjoy. I mean, they're, they have a lot of fun pieces that are brand new and that you can see and pick up on and get excited and maybe hope one day they'll be traded to your team. I mean, it is very much like a brand. It is brand new to watch them. And for so long, we knew exactly what we were getting from the Warriors. And we only really enjoyed their games when it was pretty obvious they were going to lose. Um, I think perhaps it could carry over into next season, um, but they won't be a title team. They won't. Like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and another year older, Draymond Green, and D'Angelo Russell, who may or may not be traded. And if not, I don't know how they're going to fit him in with someone like Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. Um, they're not going to be a title contender next season. Ooh, I I think that's the only one I disagree with you there, but I also build the Warriors as a playoff team this season over the summer, so what the hell do I know? Uh, <laughs> um, Haley, thank you so much for your time. If you guys are not following Haley, who is an NBA staff writer for The Ringer, Ringer writes fantastic articles over there. Follow her immediately on Twitter, at Haley O something, H-A-L-E-Y-O-S-O-M-E-T-H-I-T-H-I-N-G, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> broken record style, Haley, thanks again for, for coming on, and I'm sure I will be pestering you once again in the future. Thanks, Dan. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.